have to say that this must be one of those episodes that left me gobsmacked wondering, do we actually have control of our choices? We never script these. So I always go into these conversations wondering what kind of insights we are going to get. And boy, did we get some insights during this conversation. One key thing that really comes across in this episode is our internal framework of choice and our external environment affecting our choices, how it is affecting the world we live in, and actually, which one we have a lot more control over and which one we should just accept as well as understand. And the person responsible for this whirlwind conversation is Justin Cohen, who has been speaking for near two decades now, authored five books like Pitch to Win and The Astonishing Power of Story, CEO of Invent Yourself, and also a TV host in his home country of South Africa. This time, really, have a listen. Okay, so recording this episode now, and thankfully, again, I'm going to bring up this timing thing every time I record, because recording across the world, um, you're faced with, I would say, the opportunity, let's frame this positively, the opportunity to talk to people all around the world, but also that means me exploring different times that I work. But this is still sane. Uh, It is 4 p.m. when I'm recording this here in Malaysia, and I'm joined by Justin, Justin Cohen, all the way from South Africa. Wow, we're going around the globe with podcasts these days, isn't it, Justin? Great to be with you, Nikesh. Right. So, Justin, today, I think this, um, to me, this is a topic that I, I ponder a lot on. And I, I wanted to have this conversation with you because I've I've heard you um, a few times now uh, during when Leadernomics did the whole bounce back and uh, when you did the coaching sessions, when you spoke. Um, I really enjoyed how you went through each one of those sessions. So I thought you would be like one of the best persons I could have this conversation on. But let me start off with this question. Choice, right? Choice, something that all of us feel is a quintessential human right. What is choice? Yeah, I would place choice probably at the center of the personal development field. So, mm. I mean, I did a, an event last uh, month with Deepak Chopra, Jack Canfield, mm. um, Les Brown, and and each one of them uh, would at some point mm. talk about personal responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Um, because without that, you don't really get out the starting blocks, right? Mm. And you know, there's some very good science behind it as well. Uh, and this goes right back to uh, 1961, mm. a um, American psychologist, uh, uh, J.B. Rotter, mm. uh, created this scale uh, to, which has really become a sort of personality profiling, mm-hmm. uh, which distinguishes between people with an external and those with an internal locus of control. Mm. So people with an internal locus of control have a very strong sense of their control, Mm. their personal responsibility. Mm. So when life hits the fan, uh, instead of blaming, they're looking at what they can do about it. Now, people with a strong external locus of control, well, they are always looking to external circumstances for why their life is like it is. It could be the economy. It could be the government. It could be the 
coronavirus. It could be the fact that they weren't breastfed as a child. Mm, I mean, mm. they will find a reason. And the problem is, you know, this whole saying you can have reasons or you can have results. You know, you, you will always find reasons why you can't. You will always find reasons why you can't. And those reasons become a self-fulfilling prophecy because as long as you say you can't because you give up your power, you don't mm. even begin. Mm. And people who have a strong internal locus of control acknowledge, yes, there are external circumstances. There are factors outside of my control, mm. but you know, I think it was Winston Churchill who said, it's it's not the cards that you get, it's how well you play them, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do with those cards? Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, we all can see that there are people who go through the same adversity, the same difficulty, and it could be really um, traumatic, you mm -hmm. know, it could be abuse, it could be, you know, early uh, childhood trauma, it could be an accident, a disaster, and yet, no two people come out of it the same. Yeah. And that tells you you can't blame the events. If two mm. people don't come out the same, then you can't blame the event. Now, obviously, an event is a causal factor. It's one mm. of the factors. Mm. But a, a tremendously important factor is our sense of control, right. whether it is internal or external. Right. And so what we see, Nagesh, in the research is that people with a strong internal locus of control mm. are significantly more successful, better jobs, better salaries, better bodies, better mm. body mass index, mm. uh, better relationship. I mean, on virtually every measure, better health outcomes. Because you can imagine, you know, somebody who, you know, says diabetic has an external locus of control says, well, there's nothing I can do, so I may as well just you know, mm. do nothing. Mm. Uh, where somebody who's diabetic with a strong internal locus of control saying, well, I better exercise, I better eat healthily, right? Mm. So you can see the impact that this would have on your health and re really virtually every area. So it really is a critical uh, part of our uh, psyche and, mm. uh, and ultimately a determinant of our well-being. It's curious you said that about that whole internal, internal locus of control and external locus of control. I was just having a conversation uh, just the other day uh, with one of, the, one of my team members and we were talking about what can you do? What can't you do kind of thing? And understanding um, how you react to the external allows you to then pick and choose choice again, pick and choose. What are the ways that you are going to react and the choices that you are going to make to reframe that thing? So example, like um, my intrinsic need that I've realized over my life, my intrinsic need is to be relevant to be relevant to anybody. That's my intrinsic need to always be relevant to anybody. I, I need that response from people to say that I'm relevant. That's what I thought until I kind of flip that around and say, okay, what, what can I do here? Because if I, if I say that I'm left to the devices of somebody else reacting to me for me to feel relevant, that's it. You know, I'm always going to be waiting, but what if I change that around and say that, all right, How's about if I want to be relevant, what can I do? I can contribute to anybody, whether it is you, whether it's anyone on the street, I can contribute to them. Am I relevant? Yes, I am. I don't need the other person to react to me. I know that mm -hmm. I am because I have contributed. Share by contributing, I've become relevant. So that, that whole conversation went along the line of if you decide to just leave your choices based on all these external things that can happen to you, 
that could be a way that you're sort of surrendering your choice out. But if you say that, yeah, maybe these external things happen, why am I searching these external things or why do they happen to me? What are the things I can choose to control? That's be mm. in my realm. So mm. perhaps that's, that's that argument about that whole internal and external locus control thing that you were mentioning about. Look, choice operates on a number of levels, right? So mm. we choose our behaviors to some degree. We can even choose our where to focus our attention mm. and to some degree where we can uh, uh, even our thoughts. Mm. And, you know, you made a subtle distinction there about saying, well, I, 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 you know, my value is to be relevant, but I, but does that mean if I'm relevant to others or relevant to myself mm. and, and, my measure of relevance is service, mm. then whether somebody recognizes me as being mm. relevant, is not the point. It's whether I recognize myself. So I think that's a distinction about, again, about how we, it's about values and I guess choosing your values and choosing what mm. is important. Mm. Now, even that is shift. That's a, that's, a, that's a shift of choice. Mm. You know, as a, as a, I'm not, uh, instead of focusing on what people think of me, I'm going to focus on what I think about myself. And, mm. and, and you could argue that that is itself a choice mm. that that mm. that we made but i think what you what you're getting onto there you know is this one of the the problems i think with the idea of choice and personal responsibility and mm. particularly the way it is expressed within the personal development field mm. is it sometimes creates this this notion mm. implies this notion mm. that we actually control everything right. that we choose everything. okay and, and we don't, right? We really don't choose everything that happens to us. You know, mm. we don't choose, you, you know, you get a disease, you didn't choose that, a car bash, you didn't choose that, the coronavirus, we didn't mm. choose that. Mm. Uh, there's a recession, you didn't choose that. So mm. there's a whole bunch of things that we didn't choose. Right. And I think to create the sense that we choose everything and we choose our life and we choose every born, mm. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe on some spiritual transcendental sense, I don't know, but I don't know mm. who's who, who's got that intel. Like, I don't know who, you know. <laughs> And they know that and, and none of us else do. Because if you look around, right. Jimmy doesn't seem that way. Yeah. You know, I didn't choose to be born. Right. You know, I didn't choose my environment. I didn't right. choose my parents. Mm. I didn't choose my early life circumstances. There's a lot of things that mm. I didn't choose. Mm. And I think what sometimes can happen is, is people be, can end up beating themselves up because they think, well, you know, my life is, you know, some, some, some things have happened, some really mm. challenging things have happened and, 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 and in some way I sort of chose them, you know, this is, this mm. is also the kind of law of attraction, the secrets, mm, you, know, mm, mm, mm. you know, which, which, you know, you only have to look around you to see that, you know, just because you believe and choose something doesn't mean it happens. You know, most people don't believe or choose to get cancer, to get divorced, to have mm. a car accident, to die. And people don't choose that. They don't believe that it's going to happen. It happens. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many people believe great things are going to happen. They don't happen. Right. Mm. So I think it's also important to acknowledge our mortality, you know, to right. acknowledge our fallibility mm. and to see that we are not God. We don't, we mm. don't control everything. I, mm. I think a lot of the secret and the law of attraction creates a sort of illusion of omnipotence, you know, that right. we're all powerful. Right. We're not all powerful. Mm. You can't have everything. Mm. You can't have everything. You can't do everything. Mm. That's why we need choice. That's why we need options. You're going to mm. have to make some choices here because you mm. can't have and do everything. And there are going to be many things that happen that you don't control. And, you know, that's why my favorites, uh, I think it's an old prayer you know this idea that you know god grant me the uh wisdom mm. you know to control the things that i can mm-hmm. you know surrender the things that i can't and to know the difference something along those ah. lines right you know and I, I and i think you know 
I think that's very important because mm. otherwise, as I say, I think it can become a, a whip for our back. Right. So we don't choose everything that happens to us. In fact, we don't choose most things that happen to us, mm. actually, mm. if you think mm. about it. We actually mm. don't choose most things that happen to us. But we do choose our response to what happens. And that's the meaning of the word responsibility. It's the yeah. ability to respond. Mm. And so people with an internal locus of control, they don't determine everything that happens to them, but they do tend to, re- to, to choose their response. Mm. And that's what produces better outcomes. So maybe this question, do we understand even our choices? Because I agree with you in that point that we should, as human beings, cut some sl- cut ourselves some slack, right? Because uh, we we feel like we've got to reach this nirvana stage of control on everything that we do, but that's quite a bit of possibility to happen. But perhaps to respond to something, we kind of need to also understand the choice that we're making. Do we actually understand all our choices? No, I think a lot. Most of what we do, we don't consciously choose. Mm. Most of what we do, we're on autopilot. Mm. Most of what we do, we're not saying, oh, I choose. I didn't actually wake up this morning and say, I choose to do this podcast with Nagesh, mm. right? I guess at some point there was a choice. When you when you emailed me initially, you said, Justin, do you want to do this podcast? Mm-hmm. I guess that was a choice. I could right. have said, you know, yes or no. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then from then on, I was pretty much on autopilot. Once it was in my diary, then I woke up, then I was, you know, I was actually running a little late this morning. I was uh, out doing my dancing exercise on the ah, roof. I remember that you like to do that. <laughs> that I like to do, but I wasn't then going. So if anything, actually at that point, to be honest, what happened this morning, I was running a little bit late. Also, as you know, we, I've got a major block in my bathroom. So I had yeah. to call some funders. So at that point, actually, I might've preferred not to do this podcast. Mm. There was definitely a time, you know, running a little bit late, got an issue with plumbers, got, I, I, I would, you know, if you asked me what I wanted, I probably mm-hmm. would have said not to do the podcast, mm-hmm. but I'd made a choice a few days before saying, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to follow that commitment because it's your time and your mm-hmm. time is valuable. And it wouldn't be fair just because it's somewhat inconvenient for me right now mm-hmm. to then renege on doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So choice doesn't, you know, often we choose what we don't want, mm-hmm. you know, and that's important too. In fact, if you were only going to do what you want, you'd probably, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, you'd probably be a heroin addict and the, you know, because that's oh, pleasure. Gosh. That's immediately yeah. pleasure. Yeah. You know, but but a lot of what we have to do for success mm. is delaying gratification and is painful and actually is not what we want in the moment. Mm. So a lot of our choices have to have to override mm. what we want in the moment. Maybe it's understanding is not the word there, but uh, be prepared to explore the choices per se. Because when you when you were talking about that, it's it's one of those things where you're right. If if let's say um, I make a choice on my calendar to actually attend a meeting or to actually do this particular task, you're right. The choice there was to accept that particular meeting to do it. Um, example: uh, getting a kid. <laughs> getting a kid. So that is actually the only choice I had was whether I choose to get the kid or not. And then Mm -hmm. right after that, it was an autopilot thing, which happened all the way. The kid arrived. I had to figure out how to do certain things. I had to prepare, I had to provide all those kind of things. But I now view it based on this small conversation that we're having that you make a choice, be prepared to explore what that choice is going to bring you. 
Yeah, I, th- I mean, any choice that you make, you want to be uh, assessing that mm. option. You know, this is all about optionality. We have mm. options and we've got to, uh, you know, we, we need to assess that option. I think mm. a lot of people have kids, quite frankly, shouldn't have kids. Mm. They, they have kids because they think it's, you know, I've just got to do it and it's what my parents want and my grandparents uh, the, want. That's one of the sequential things that you got to do. And they're actually not fit to be parents. They shouldn't mm. be parents, you know, mm. quite frankly. Mm. Not you, Nagesh. Sure. <laughs> I'm trying. It's a discovery. I'm, I'm, it's an exploration each day. Um, so, so I think, you know, assessing options mm. and playing them forward is important. And, 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 you know, I think effective choices involve some forecasting, some reflection, mm. uh, you know, some assessments, uh, what they call future casting, you know, so mm. you're going into the future, you're imagining what something might be. Now you never know for sure, you know, yeah. you, you, there's no guarantees that you're making the right choice, but, and also you don't want to get paralysis by analysis, right? Mm. So that mm. you, you can't make a choice and that's often procrastination because they mm. don't actually want to commit because they don't want to actually be responsible. <laughs> they right. don't want to have right. to, right. you know, deal with, with the consequences of their choices. So they prefer mm. not to choose. Um, so I think there's that, you know, that, that assessing of options, which you could even put down to, you know, which meal you're going to have in a restaurant, mm. you know, that's a choice, you know, what, you know, what chocolate you're going to buy, or what cold drink. But then I think there's a, so there's, the, the, there's that optionality, you know, that we, that we have, and each mm-hmm. day there will be certain choices. But I think there's also, um, there's also sort of a general sense that I um, have some control over my life, or mm. I don't, mm. and that's mm. very important. Mm. So it's it, it's 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 you know, you, and I, th- I'm, I mean, this is an interesting conversation. I haven't thought about this. I feel like there's two things going on here because mm. I think some people with a low external locus of control is still making a choice about which you know, which meal to order in the restaurants or chocolate or which, you know, whether they should go partying or whether they should study. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think we're all, we're all doing that some more effectively than others. But I think, I think this, this idea of internal and external exit control is this broader sense Mm -hmm. that, you know, that I, I can determine my destiny. Mm. You know, I can determine my destiny. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this. And I'm going to get a little controversial. You said I could get go controversial. Ahead, go ahead. Controversial. So we have a wonderful speaker in South Africa, a guy called Sapiwe Moyo. Okay. Sapiwe Moyo is a black African. I guess I'm a white African. So mm-hmm. we need to make that distinguish that distinction here because you'll see you'll see how this this plays out. Mm. So Sapiwe, um, you know. Uh, like me brought up in apartheid South Africa, mm. you know, with this white skin, mm. I had a lot of privileges, mm. uh, you know, which, uh, and, and Sapiwe had a lot of disadvantages mm. and Sapiwe was born in a place called orange farm, very, mm. very poor area mm. during apartheid whites and blacks were separated. Mm. Um, and, um, uh, and he, uh, so he, he, as he, finished his um, school, mm-hmm. he had this job out in the city. And the way that apartheid worked is that uh, black uh, 
and Indian communities were, were, were sort of on the outskirts of the city. So you'd have to take a train ride in this long train ride into the inner city yeah. to work yeah. this, this, this very basic. Um, I think I remember watching a video very recently about that box covered this okay. on how okay. um, the remnants of the apartheid era is still affecting South Africa today because of the way that society has been arranged. Exactly what you were mentioning, where yeah. um, the black community was placed furthest away from the economic and city center. So that makes it a lot more difficult for them to access jobs or even if they access jobs, it's very low sort of social mobility that they get because they're stuck in that loop of travel, work, come back, travel, work, come back thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now that's changed to a, to a large degree. So, you, right. you know, the city's very integrated. You know, I live in, in a building with black people and white people mm-hmm. and Indian people. But, but the truth is that you still do see higher concentrations of white people in the economically active areas of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and you do see black uh, and Indian people more on, on the outskirts. So yes, 20, mm. 25 years, we still quite right. We still see this. So he's going on this train, which is this awful long train ride. And he's mm. with this guy and together they say, you know, one day we're going to get out of this. You know, mm. we're going to get out of this. And Sapiwe does. He lands mm. up studying. He gets multiple degrees. He becomes a great speaker and author. He's really one of the top sort of players in our industry mm. today. But but he goes back to Orange Farm and he meets his friend and he sees his friend mm-hmm. is still taking that same train. His mm-hmm. friend still has that same job. Mm-hmm. His friend still has not moved on. And, and he says to his friend, you know, what happened? Why? Like we were both going to get out of this. Well, mm-hmm. What happened to you? And his friend says to him, well, Sapiwe, it's the system. It's the mm-hmm. system. The system keeps you down. Mm-hmm. You know, here you've got two people, you know, both mm-hmm. individuals, from this, this area who have, who have very similar disadvantages. Mm. And the one says, I can't because of the system. And the other says, I can because I can, mm. you know. Now, this, why I say this controversial is there is a system. Mm. We just spoke about the system. Apartheid mm. was a system. We're still dealing with it. Mm. There is a system that keeps, keeps people down. Look what's going on in the United States today. We see yeah. systemic racism. We see yeah. police brutality. We can't deny that. Now, a lot of the time, the personal development field wants to deny that. It wants mm-hmm. to say, no, 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 no. It's you. It's up to you. It's, mm-hmm. If it's mentally, it's up to me. And it's paradoxical, Nagesh. It's paradoxical. Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of that. I'm, I'm saying yes. And the truth is, I feel that too often, you see, it, it, that's why I said this is difficult. So as a whitey, I, I can't really say this. So right. I'm, let me quote my friend. Let me quote Sapiwe. So Sapiwe, so Sapiwe says, look, sometimes it's not racism. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not sexism. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not the system. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's you. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said, it's not for me to say that. That's my friend Sapiwe. And he's saying that because he believes that too often we're saying I can't because the color of my skin, my gender, mm-hmm. my age, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, let me just give an example from from a, a white person's perspective. Hmm. So, in South Africa, to uh, to help to turn around the injustices of apartheid, we have major affirmative action programs, hmm. and we have something called Black Economic Empowerment. Hmm. So, so anybody who isn't white gets preference hmm. preference preference for jobs. 
um, they, um, the state will only deal with companies that are, I think it's 50% black right. owned companies. Right. Right. So these, these, they're trying to reverse this, right? So I will often hear white people say to me, Justin, the reason I can't get a job is because I'm white. Mm. And here's the reality. In South Africa today, we have an unemployment rate of about 27%. Mm. White unemployment is about 7%. Mm. So when my white brothers and sisters tell me I can't because I know that they've got a classic self-defeating belief, right? right? Now, there is no doubt that as a white person, you are way more restricted mm. than you were, mm. rightly so, because mm. apartheid was the biggest affirmative action program for white people. But you are. There's certain jobs you won't get if you're white. There's mm. certain business you will not do with the state if you're white. Mm. But nevertheless, white unemployment is still lower. Mm. So when when my white brothers and sisters tell me I can't get a job because I'm white, yes, there may be a job they couldn't get because they were white. But the problem is that then can become an impediment mm. to getting any job because they give up. Mm. Yeah, on because. So, so when I say I think sometimes we blame race and 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 gender, and it's not. I'm not just talking about you know. It, it, it could be blaming the fact that you're black, blaming the fact that you're white, mm. blaming the fact that you're young, blaming the fact that you're old. The moment you're focusing on something you can't control, so you can't control your age, you can't, I guess you can control your gender these days, but it's mm. not a simple <laughs> You can't control the color of your skin. I guess Michael Jackson came close, but you can't really control those things, right, largely. Right. The moment you focus on something you can't control, you know you're in a classic self-defeating belief. And here's the way you know. Just ask yourself, is there a black person who, who did get what I'm trying to get? Is there a white person who has got what I'm trying to get? Is there a woman who has, right? And you almost invariably find that there is, there mm. is. Mm. So as the great Anthony Robbins said, the, the, the biggest thing stopping you getting what you want is your bullshit story about why you can't get it. Right. And, 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 look, and I say that with, you know, that's why I said this is a difficult thing to talk about because mm. you realize what I've just said, I mean, I would be pilloried Mm. By, by some corners, particularly mm. in the United States today. Mm. I mean, the far left would not accept what I've just said. You know, they would say, look, you know, you, you, you don't have the rights to say that, you know, th there is, and I'm not denying that there isn't systemic racism. Mm. I'm not denying that there is not police brutality. I'm not denying any of those things. I'm really, really not. And mm. I'm saying change the system then. That's yeah. what it's about, right? Personal right. responsibility says, yes, there is a system that is unjust mm. and you might need to go and change it. But if you're blaming why you can't do something because of that system, you're not even going to change the system, mm. right? Mm. So uh, I just, you know, I, I, I would consider myself a liberal, but I, I think there's this extreme far left uh, liberalism that ha has, I think it's reducing people's sense of control and power. Right. And there's this kind of throw your hands up in the air and, you know, and, and blame as opposed to saying, okay, what can we do about this? Right. How can right. we change this? How can we, you know, how, how, how can we, you know, move this thing forward? So, you know what, yeah. you're right. Because I've been, I somehow became a fan of whatever a fan, meaning I'm, I'm amused to whatever was happening in the United States. Because here, here I am um, living in Malaysia, which I call, and since we are getting a bit controversial, I call Malaysia a mini America. I do, because there's a lot of things that happens here, which is a mirror image of whatever that is happening right over there. Um, things like, um, example, 
racism. It's something that exists here and how one race got, um, got empowered more than a second race. And even for a term, like example, we have the uh, new economic plan, which is actually a vestige of something that started now a few decades ago, which was not even supposed to last this long. For my independence, preference was given to the Malay race because rightfully so, I agree. Uh, the Malay race didn't have any business foothold. They didn't have any entrepreneurship foothold. So they could not um, engineer their own economics. They were stuck with administration jobs. So for the first 12 years of our independence, there was some preferential treatment given to the Malay race. But then as the 12 year mark was coming, then all of a sudden string of events happened sequentially and conveniently that then caused this new economic plan to start. And every five years or so it's, it gets regenerated again and regenerated again and regenerated again. The reason I'm saying that is really familiar to what's happening over in uh, the United States. And then now you see in this new world with COVID and everything, this whole anti-vax scenario that is going on, the politics that is going on. And when you say about that far left liberalism, this is where I, I understand what you're saying, because whenever I see far left talking points, I'm not saying either one is right, but far left talking points, it's pointing the finger at somebody and saying that that's not the way it should be done. That's not the way it should be done. That's not the way it should be done. It should be like this. It should be like this. It should be like this. Great. What have you done? Yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, I think traditionally, yes, the far left would uh, be far more aligned with an external locus of control. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so, and, and you, you were sort of looking at the politics of grievance, you know, mm -hmm. it's racism, it's sexism, mm -hmm. it's, there's, there's, there's always some ism. Um, and of course, you know, I, 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 there has been white privilege, you know, mm -hmm. there's no doubt. I know there's some people, people like Jordan Peterson, you know, mm -hmm. who want to deny the fact, you know, white privilege, but the, the problem is when you keep focusing on white privilege, mm -hmm. Um, again, it can mean that you, you, you know, you sort of throw your hands up in the air, you know, mm. uh, and because that then becomes the reason. So you're constantly focusing, you know, on, on what's wrong mm. rather than what you can do about it. Yeah. And, and you see this, you know, with this kind of woke generation and they, they're constantly sort of slandering, you know, one another and this, even, even mm. one another, like you're mm. not woke enough. You know, mm. Barack Obama's even spoken about this, you know, it seems like it's not actually about rectifying injustice. Mm. It's about showing how woke you are, you know, yeah. it's the Instagram, you know, look how woke I am. Look how mm. woke I am. No, dude, that's actually not the way to rectify injustice. Yeah. Um, that's a way just to, you know, to showboat yourself. Right. right? right. Um, and then, yes, traditionally the right, particularly in America, if you look mm. at the, you know, the, the right is far more about personal responsibility. That's yeah. why they don't want state intervention. It's like just, you know, people must pull themselves up from their own bootstraps, mm. let them get on with it, get out of their lives, get out. I mean, bizarre, they say get out of their lives, but they want to be in your bedroom. You know, mm. they're obsessed mm. with, with homosexuality. I mean, I have no idea why they are so obsessed with what two people do in the privacy of their own bedroom. I have no and idea. religion I mean, as well sometimes. Right. Religion, gays, God, and guns, gays, mm -hmm. God, and guns. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't even know. I, the last time I checked, that's not what Christianity was obsessed with. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, God, absolutely. But I didn't see gays and guns being the, the, the main obsession, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, don't give me start on the far right or the far left, but <laughs> so traditionally the far right, um, you know, was much more about personal responsibility. 
Mm. And the far left was more about the system. Yeah. Mm. Of course, what we've seen now, Nagesh, is, is it started to, it's gotten a little crazy. I mean, you try and analyze this thing. The far right in the, in the United States are now so full of grievance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stolen election, right? Mm-hmm. Now, instead of like, okay, Oaks, we lost this thing. Let's get ourselves back up. Let's win the next one. No, no, no. We're just, it's a stolen. I mean, you Donald Trump did not. So we had one grievance after another grievance after another grievance. So constantly blaming, 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 blaming. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. never took responsibility. Not mm-hmm. once. He never mm-hmm. said, I'm sorry. He never said we shouldn't have done this. He never said we couldn't have been. It was just, it's their fault. It's your fault. It's uh, yeah. never took responsibility. Mm. So you've seen this strange thing where the right used to be mm. all about personal responsibility. It's now about grievance. It's about blame. It's about, you know, the politics of, you know, just, just hate. I mean, it's, it's just appalling what I'm seeing. Mm. It makes me very, very sad because I happen to be a great fan of, of America. And, uh, but anyway, they, they, um, I think they will, they'll work this out and they'll work this out. Um, but so, yeah, so I think, so the problem, with the far left um, is I think, you know, the, 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 the liberals are supposed, you know, supposedly have more empathy and they care and they want to uplift people. Mm. And that's beautiful. That's great uh, and important. But sometimes then it, 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 there's this denigration of our personal uh, mm. responsibility. And, 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 you know, that's, that, that I think is, is, is the problem here. Now, I, I, you know, here's the thing. Both are true because mm. the fact is we do need to uplift people. And quite frankly, you don't, nobody pulls themselves up from their own bootstraps. They have support, they have family, they have community, mm. you know, and, and, the, and the people in, in, in conservative communities, they've got phenomenal communities and they, and they do support each other. And, you know, mm. no man is an island. Mm. So we have to acknowledge, you know, here's the problem. I guess she's, I didn't expect us going into the politics, but I've got to say this because this is actually very important. The American dream is more alive in Denmark than America. The uh, chances yeah. of a person yeah. Yeah. in America today um, from a poor background, mm-hmm. becoming wealthy mm-hmm. is, and I, I don't have the stat right at my fingertips, but it's it is it's like six times less likely than someone in Denmark. Yeah. So in Denmark, you like you 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 almost invariably, if you're coming from a poor background, more than I think it's more than fifty percent, you you will you will be better off because mm-hmm. it's just a, it's people who lift each other. America, which is all about supposedly about personal responsibility, they gave birth to the self help movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you now see the, the American dream is, it's just, I don't want to say it's dead, but it's its languishing. Mm. Six times less mm. likely mm. for a poor person to rise up. Come on, guys, there's a problem there. They're yeah. telling you that it's a system, it is a problem. Mm. So, you know, the Americans hate, you know, uh, socialism and, you know, well, I say the Americans, the, 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 the right. Mm-hmm. But when you look at those more socialistic Scandinavian countries, you just see far more people are being pulled out of poverty mm. at far, far greater right, right, mm. right. So what does that tell you? It's not just about personal responsibility. It's also about creating a system right. which takes personal responsibility, yeah. but it's creating a system that is supportive. Mm. And so from what I'm hearing, it is this, and, and this is why we're, we're right now we're focusing on America. And, and this is kind of why I, I do respect Joe Biden a little bit, because I kind of see what he's doing, where is this balance between, and choice is that, right? It's this balance between your own personal responsibility, which is, if we call it the very far right, and joint responsibility, 
where you are involved in a society, you're part of a society. So whatever you do, the things you choose to do affects your environment as well. So there is some level of joint responsibility as well. But life is that. Life is this balance between personal responsibilities, personal choices that you got to take for yourself and also what you do for the society. If both are well-balanced and you find a mechanism that is well-balanced for both, then you see, uh, and I think the word we use usually for that percentage of um, people moving up from poverty up into middle-class social mobility. So then we find social mobility more fluid because you're able to then one, take care of yourself, make the right choices, but at the same time, look after the person next to you without harming yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, the, whatever you said is, is, is a very common theme around the world. And especially now, because last time you can kind of contain all these, uh, you pointed out Trump just now. Now, here's a voice that cut through, if anything, his voice cut through the entire population to reach one set of population so that that person can hear it. He had a very high level, the Take it any way you want it. Very high level of self-responsibility. So he's responsible for himself and himself only and what he says, not what's happening out there. But he's able to cut through all societal noise for everyone to listen to him. And this is the power that most, actually every individual has now. You look around the world, good or bad, these are, these are some of the key factors that are causing it. Uh, we talked about the US, but what about in Myanmar? the whole Rohingya movement issue that happened. That was all, that all happened because of one voice that cut through, one monk voice who cut through and said that, look, this population, they're not part of our country. They're Muslims and they're supposed to be here. So you've got to actually get them out of the country. That happened because of one voice. The military junta right now, Rwanda, even South Africa as well. It, it, the sort of power each individual has is high because of how the world has formed itself, the tools that we have in place. So the yeah. key. Yeah, you're I right. I don't always say that you could put it down to one voice. You know, sometimes mm. you have a loud voice, mm-hmm. uh, and but but and the other voices coalesce around that yeah. voice. Uh, you know, if you look, say, you know, uh, Germany in the you know, 1930s, Mm. Uh, there was a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism and there was a tremendous amount of violence against Jews. Mm -hmm. Now, if there was no Adolf Hitler, you know, would there have still been, you know, a World War II? Would there have been a genocide against the Jews? (sighs) We don't know. We don't know, but... We don't don't know. And I suspect, I mean, Hitler was such an extraordinary yeah. Uh, individual. Uh, it's probably not the best example, but I, I, I would say, you know, okay, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe closer to home, Donald Trump. I mean, what Donald Trump is, Donald Trump is is a pitch man. He, mm. He's, and, and not, we might all have more opportunity to express ourselves, but Donald Trump was able to pitch to his base. Mm to read what it is that they wanted better than anyone else. Mm. And, you know, and we know this, I mean, he was really a failed businessman. I mean, the man went bankrupt multiple, multiple times. What Mm. he was very, very good at was branding, Mm. Uh, was branding the Trump brand. That was, he was superb. I mean, you know, he had a casino, the Atlantic casino went bankrupt. He went bankrupt the casino. 
You've got to be, you know, I mean, it's like a casino is a, it's, 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 it's a machine for printing money, but, yeah. but Donald Trump couldn't, couldn't keep it above. Mm. But what he is, is a, is a phenomenal pitch man. So, so that I think is a lesson about also, you know, I, I've got a program called pitch to win, as you mm. know, mm. you know, and there's no morality on the pitch, you know, pitch can be used for good or for evil. Mm. Um, but, uh, but, you know, yeah, I would just question always, yes, there are certain individuals who can hold a country to ransom mm. and destroy a country. Mm. But I think they are often, we can't deny the fact, Nagesh, that 70 million people mm-hmm. voted for Donald Trump. 70 mm. million people had no problem with, to use his words, grab him by the pussy. Mm. 70 million people had no problem with paying off a porn star. Mm. 70 million people had no problem with saying we should inject bleach into our veins because that's going to help with the coronavirus. No, Justin, Justin, on that one, is it is it a case of they don't mind that or they have forgotten that? Because it sounds to me, whenever I read whatever is going on, to me, in my brain, it's... God, how could you even choose to follow this guy? This guy who did everything that you just mentioned. This guy said to shine UV through your body to try to heal the virus. How could you follow that? And then when I think about it is, now think about all the other things he says, that that pitch that you said, that pitch about someone's coming to get you. Something is coming to get you. Something is going to change your life as it is. And that overrides everything false or everything wrong that is done. So sure. is it a case of them being okay with what he said? Or is it the case of he has masked those things with a lot of other things that just resounds with them? Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. You know, it's, it's like when you've decided to, that you're in love with someone mm. and they can get away with a lot of things, you mm-hmm. know, because you've just got rose tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. And I think those million people do. I think they're in love with Donald Trump. I think that Donald Trump is a cult. He's a cult mm-hmm. leader. Mm-hmm. Um, he can do, he said it himself. He could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody dead and he wouldn't lose any support. He said mm-hmm. it, it was the most yeah, I remember insightful that, thing that he ever said because yeah. I think it was absolutely true. That's literally what happened. He incited yeah. a mob to, 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 January to 6th. Score the Congress, an insurrection. Yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about shoot somebody dead. I mean, what's worse? So he mm. incited a mob for an insurrection. Mm. He's now out of power. They've just now about to fire the most conservative uh, number three position, Liz, uh, Cheney, uh, Liz Cheney, yes. who, who, is, who is way more conservative than the person who's about to replace her. The person mm. about to replace her is not conservative. Mm. <laughs> Anywhere close. She's, she, mm. she just isn't. She's not a, you know. But while they're replacing her, she, she, they like you know the conservative politics. They're replacing her because she's not a supporter of Donald Trump. So, so that's a classic cult. The classic cult leader is that it doesn't matter what you do or say or you believe. I follow you. You do, you do. It's like just you know, gaga eyed, gaga eyed. You know, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, the fact that that he still has this hold is just, it's just incredible. That's an interesting thing to sort of end things on because. One thing I want to ask is how do we, in these kind of situations, just surrender? Literally, this is in a way surrendering our choice to somebody else, right? Because uh, it's not only Donald Trump. Think about even, um, I don't know if you watched that Netflix show uh, on social media. I forgot what, what's the title of it. Dilemma. The Social Dilemma, correct. So in that, when I, when I watched it, I was like, okay, so 
I know on the other end, these apps, those are the people that develop these apps. They're doing it for a profit. They want to get a profit. That's what they want. They're doing this for. And they have found a way and made into a science on how you can manipulate a person to the point that you're making choices without realizing that you're not making choices in a way. And this is what's exactly happening with any cult situation. You think you're making the choice. You think you're standing up for what you believe in, but essentially you've already been cornered. How does a person even get there to a point that they're, they're completely cornered to the point that they don't realize that I am actually not making these choices anymore. I'm not going to throw a spanner into the works. Right. Uh, and, you know, this is the paradox of life, really. Mm. This podcast interview is all about choice. Uh, well, philosophically, uh, there is no real rationale for free will. So <laughs> look at the nature of free will. That's a big spanner. I know, I know. I was throwing in a big spanner here. You know, and, and the person who articulates this best is somebody like Sam Harris, mm -hmm. uh, probably probably the world's leading public intellectual. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I studied this in philosophy. It's not a new idea. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I guess, you don't have to go far to, to see it, right? Mm -hmm. I said it earlier. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't mm -hmm. choose to be born. Mm -hmm. You didn't choose the country you're born in. Mm -hmm. You didn't... You, so you say, yes, okay, I know that, Justin. But right now, I'm going to choose to do this podcast with you rather than with Joe Bloggs. Mm. And then I say to you, Nagesh, why did you choose to do it with me rather than Joe Bloggs? And you're like, well, I kind of wanted to talk about choice. And I thought you had said, okay, great. So why did you kind of want to talk about choice? Well, I kind of wanted to talk about choice. That's important. Why is it important to me? Well, because, what are you going to, because you will always mm. find a reason because actually I'm interested in prison. How did I get into prison? Well, because my parents went to prison. Oh, because actually I had a, a difficulty in my life. And you're with me. You will always yeah. find reasons that go back to, you know, the, the birth of the universe. Right. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I know we're starting to get into, you know, issues, you know, about the religion and soul, but even if you want to use the word soul, well, then that's your soul. Your soul mm. is determined, right? That's mm. where it comes from. Right. Mm. So, so, so then now this becomes, you know, it's problematic for people because it's like, well, don't I have any free will? And the way I understand it is this. I think what we have is determined will. Determined we have determined will. will. What that right. means is that we make decisions and need to make decisions. And we need to make them on the basis of an understanding that we ourselves have some power. Right. Even if that power is determined by, you know, uh, things that we didn't choose, like mm. our parents, uh, you know, if you want to bring God into it, mm. right? So there's a whole bunch of things here. And I think this is important because, Nagesh, one thing I will say, the idea of choice is very powerful when it comes to the external world and mm. building your ideal life, mm. creating that business, finding the love of your life, mm. determining your, you know, just, just living the life that you want. But I will tell you that when it comes, one of the areas that I'm doing my doctorate at the moment in, yeah. on emotional distress is that when we take that into our own minds, it mm. can be counterproductive. Because when you start mm. to think that you control every thought and you control your attention and mm. every negative thought, I must stop, I must stop, you actually create more resistance, more distress, and that can actually lead to anxiety. And what we can see, wow. and this is actually, I have a, a new program, it's called uh, Heal Your Mind, Unlearn mm. Anxiety. Actually, the, the, the key to, to, to unlearning anxiety is not trying to control your mind, not mm. trying to choose every thought, not trying to control your attention. Mm. Actually, when you're dealing with 
uh, uh, feelings of emotional distress, actually what can be far more healing is accepting. You used mm. the word earlier, surrendering, mm. allowing, mm. letting it be. And in letting it be, it tends to let you go. But if you're mm. trying to control and resist, you know, mm. Jung famously said, whatever you resist will not just persist, it'll grow in size. Yeah. So in the outside world, yes, we need to resist. We need to, you know, take control. But in the inside world, I think what we need to do is take a much gentler, softer, more passive approach. Mm. Yeah, more passive. Approach. And that's why my, my doctrine is actually called the paradox of healing, mm. because it is a paradox. On the one hand, we need to make choices about our lives and our minds. But on the other hand, we also need to know when to let go, know when to surrender. You kind of just blew my mind with the paradox right there. I did, now, did. Now, now I got, now I got food for thought for like a few weeks to come from here. So, so Justin, I know we're, we're running out of time and uh, I wish to... We had more to talk about this even more. I think we could have gone in multiple different places. I'll get you on again soon. I'll really right. love to explore these, these things with you. These are areas which to me is great to explore. Even if it doesn't mean doing anything with it, exploring and understanding it is something that I enjoy. So usually at the end of the podcast, I usually like to give you the chance. Um, is there anything that you'd like to give a shout out on a new program that you're doing, um, your whole X life thing so that our listeners can hear it and they can engage with you. Uh, Nagesh, thanks for, for that opportunity. So, uh, yeah, I've, uh, as you know, I've, I've launched X life. X life is a science-based self-improvement, uh, portal, uh, we are growing community and uh, with multiple programs on living an extraordinary life. And uh, you can sign up by going to www.xlife.zone. That's www.xlife.zone. That's Z-O-N-E. And uh, when you sign up, what you're going to get is once a week, you're going to get uh, some uh science-based self-improvement tips, something that you can immediately use to raise the quality of your life, whether it's your, your business, your career, your finances, your emotional state, uh, any any area at all. So yeah, that'd be great, that'd be great. And, and then I do uh, live events. And so by signing up, you'll get uh, access to those events and we'll be able to stay in touch. And also for those of y'all who are Nicole users, as you guys know, this program is brought to you by Nicole. We will, from time to time, put up um, some of the events that uh, uh, Justin is doing when it comes to X Live. Some of the coaching events that he's doing virtually as well. From time to time, we'll put that up. There's two which is coming up real soon, so look out for that for those of you all who are cold users as well. Justin, thank you so much. Uh, it's interesting that we still went through with hearing a little bit of the drilling noise behind your cat coming into the picture as well, and we saw like workers going behind. Well, you know what? This is living virtually nowadays. Thank you so much, Justin, for your time. Thank you for that. Leaving me with that mind-blowing paradox at this point in time. Thank you, Nagesh. It's been great fun. Really All appreciate right. it. Hope that was a good listen for all of you and looking forward to having you with us in the next episode released every Friday. Talk to Me is brought to you by Nicole. It's a learning experience platform that brings you AI-powered personal and contextual learning with expert curated curriculum and communities that allows any customized blended learning solutions all in one app. The team at Nicole aims to provide a tool for everyone to choose as well as accelerate their skills, growth, career, and future. 
So we invite you to join us. Check out nickel.app to find out more and let's nickel. <laughs>